Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. You know, in the New Testament, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy. And in the opening verses of 2 Timothy, here's what Paul said. He said, Timothy, I long to see you that I might be filled with joy. In other words, Timothy, I really want to see you. And just like everyone else, I'm doing the best that I can to keep a smile on my face and maintain a full joy tank. But I hope you know I miss you. I really miss seeing you face to face. I miss our worship times together. And I look forward to the time that we're back together in the sanctuary, worshiping our great God together. And I know that when we do that, the first time that we come back, we're going to be taken to a whole new level in God's presence. And again, I'm really looking forward to that. So again, we want to welcome you wherever you're watching from. If you're a Community Christian Church member, if you're a visitor, or you just happen to wander onto our site, thank you so much for being with us. We extend a very special greeting to you. All right, today on the calendar, the church calendar, it's Palm Sunday. And I know over the past several years, Palm Sunday is not the huge church event that it once was. But you know me, I love tradition. And I love the fact that we can celebrate Palm Sunday together because on Palm Sunday, something extremely significant happened. You see, by God's design and purpose, Palm Sunday was the start of Passion Week, the final week in the life and ministry of Jesus. And during Passion Week, Jesus not only revealed to us his genuine and unconditional love, He proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he really was who he claimed to be, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so for me and for you and for believers everywhere, what happened 2,000 years ago during the closing hours of Jesus' life permanently changed the world. And not just the world that we live in today, I'm talking about the next reality as well. And so Passion Week rewrote all eternity. Let me say that again. Passion Week rewrote all eternity. And during this extremely pivotal eight-day period of time, three historic events took place. And over the next week or so, we're going to experience all three, starting today with the Palm Sunday service. That's the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, on the back of a donkey. And then five days from now, Good Friday, we're going to take a journey to Calvary and we're going to remember the enormous sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And then one week from today, Easter Sunday, the greatest day in human history, and I'm talking about the day of the empty tomb, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I invite you to be with us for all three. You're here already this morning, so that's a a free one. Come back and be with us on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. All right, this morning, Palm Sunday. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 19, 
verses 28 through 40. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say the Lord needs it. And sure enough, those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, why are you untying it? In other words, why are you messing with our donkey? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut down palm branches. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Hosanna to the Son of David, they said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if they keep quiet, the stones would cry out. All right, we're told of the trip from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. That was the path that Jesus took on the back of the donkey. And we're told that that little trip took about 26 minutes. And the scripture tells us that those 26 minutes record the most spectacular praise and worship celebration this world has ever known or seen. And make no mistake, the people were lauding and applauding Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But they really didn't know what was taking place. You see, when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that was heaven's victory march, heaven's coronation. And God allowed the people to come along for the ride. And because there was so much happening in the spirit realm, the people sensed that God was in it. And they were drawn divinely by God's spirit. And they were all caught up in a God-ordained holy moment. But they really didn't have a clue what was coming. And I know that because just five days later, less than one week following the Palm Sunday event, many of the people who were in the crowd that day, those that were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, those who were worshiping the Lord at the top of their lungs, they changed their tune. And they began to say, crucify him. Crucify him. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that a worship experience alone is not enough for our roots to go down deep. It's not enough for us to establish the kind of faith that we need to have in order to acknowledge God as he really is. We have to be willing to process everything that we experience in this life through the word of God. And that's the only way that we're going to gain a greater understanding of who God really is. We have to process life. We have to be able to sort through life. We have to be able to see things with eyes of faith. And now I'm talking about the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. And these days we've had our share of ugly, haven't we? In fact, prophetically speaking, there's been a thick and gross darkness attempting to permeate itself throughout the whole world. But you know what? That's not brand new. Because the same darkness prevailed in Jesus' day. And do you remember what Jesus did? He overcame the darkness. That's right. During Passion Week, Jesus utterly defeated and destroyed death, hell, and the grave. And that same power that was released to Jesus is also available to the church. But we have to have eyes of faith. We have to allow our faith roots to go down deep. And we have to know God and understand God on an intimate basis. Now, the Bible tells us that one day when Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, they came to the coast of the region of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus, he gathered his disciples together and he asked them a question. He said to them, who do people say that I am? The disciples responded and said, well, some of the people think that you're John the Baptist, come back in the flesh. Others think that you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And after Jesus, Jesus listened intently to what they had to say, he asked them a second question. Well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you think that Jesus, the Son of Man, is? And that's a question that's still being asked today. In fact, I would say it's still among the top questions ever asked. Who in the world is this guy, Jesus? What's he all about? What's his story? What's his deal? Why is there such a great fuss made about Jesus every time his name is mentioned? Well, one of the original disciples of Jesus, a man by the name of John, probably Jesus' closest friend, he wrote a story. It's called the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, John attempts to answer that very question. Who is Jesus? In fact, in an effort to address this very issue, John and only John records seven statements that Jesus made where Jesus provides very specific and detailed information about himself. And Jesus began every one of those seven statements, every one of those seven descriptions with the same two words. I am. I am. In John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9, I am the gate. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. In the gospel of John, verse 11, uh, chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, his seventh and final statement in John chapter 15 and verse 1, I am the vine. So here in the Gospel of John, and nowhere else in the New Testament, we have a list of seven statements Seven declarations or descriptions that Jesus made where he gives us insight and revelation into the kind of man 
that he really was helping us to answer the question, who is Jesus? And so we took these seven statements and we decided to turn them into a teaching series. We thought that these dramatic statements that Jesus made would be good to go over. And so we put them into a teaching series. We're going to be teaching that throughout the month of April. And with this particular series, we got real creative. And so we're calling the series, I Am. That's right, I Am. Why don't you turn to a family member and say, I Am. Not me, but him, Jesus. And if you're by yourself, just say it to me. I Am. One more time. I Am. You see, during this series, what we're going to do is just have Jesus speak for himself. We're going to listen to the words of Jesus. We're going to let Jesus talk about himself. And in that regard, we are going to gain insight and information and understanding and faith. And how many of you know right about now, faith is extremely important. I believe that this is the way to please God, is with our faith. And so let's look at the statement that Jesus made in John chapter 8 and verse 12. I am the light of the world. One more time. I am the light of the world. And the beautiful thing about light is that light always defeats the darkness. I'll say that again. Light always defeats the darkness. And I mean every time, on every occasion. And I absolutely love the opening five verses of the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and I especially love to quote it in the King James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. You know, three other Bible translations say it this way. The darkness will never overcome the light. The darkness will never put out the light. And finally, the darkness will never extinguish light. In other words, when light enters the room, darkness has to take a hike. And so in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus specifically says, I am the light of the world. And then he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So that tells me, regardless of our situation, regardless of what we're going through or how dark it gets, we can still have hope. And we can have hope Because light wins over darkness every time. Now again, in the Bible, we're told that on one occasion, Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem, and they encountered a man who was blind. And they learned that this man had been born blind. He was was blind from birth. And when the disciples learned that this man had been blind his whole life, they asked Jesus a question. They said, Master, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. And please keep in mind that in Bible times, it was a common belief that if somebody had a problem, 
It was because somebody else had sinned. And in response to that sincere question that the disciples asked, who sinned, Jesus said in John chapter 9 and verse 3, no one sinned. Neither this man nor his parents. But Jesus said this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. One more time. This has happened. This has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Well, tell me, what had happened? Well, blindness happened. Sickness happened. Darkness happened. And the display of God's work that Jesus was referring to was not just the physical miracle that Jesus was about to perform. And he did do that. He touched the man's eyes. In fact, he mixed some mud in and and rubbed them into the man's eyes. And the man received his sight for the very first time. But in addition to performing that physical miracle, what Jesus was doing was once again revealing to us who he really is. The Christ. The Messiah. The one who was anointed to preach good news and to heal broken hearts. To open prison doors. To set the captive free. And to give sight to the blind. And now I'm talking about the spiritually blind. Those who are walking around in spiritual darkness. Now earlier in the message, I mentioned that there's a darkness in our land. It's a thick darkness. It's covered the whole earth right now. And as a result, many, many people are stumbling around. And in the past, whenever we were forced to face some trouble or some difficulties, whenever we were trying to get through a crisis, at least we had one another to rely on. I remember right after 9-11, when people started to freak out, wondering if the world was going to come to an end, that they flocked to church for just a hot second, The church doors, they opened widely and people, they came to church for a little while because they wanted that assurance. They wanted to experience the presence of God. They wanted to be comforted by the word of God and know that God was still in control. And so people did that. And we've been able to draw strength from one another in the gathering together. But that hasn't happened this time around. Not with this crisis. In fact, most of us are in lockdown. Isolated, some of us on our own. Schools have been closed. Churches closing their doors. And the normal lifelines that we have have been cut. And in the spirit realm, I hear the Lord saying something very clearly. I hear the voice of Jesus. And this is what keeps going over and over in my mind. This has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in our lives. And Jesus went on to say, this is what the work of God is all about. It's to believe in the one that God sent. To believe in Jesus. To put our trust in him. To allow our faith roots to go down deep and to know that God is with us. He's not against us. He's for us. He's a good God. And so I want to encourage you because this is not the day to cast away our confidence. That's what Hebrews says. Don't cast away your confidence, but take a step toward God. Surrender your heart to God and let God lead you. Let God speak to you. 
My encouragement is for you to fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the darkness. Darkness will attempt to defeat you. Darkness will try to overwhelm you. The darkness will fill you with fear and make every effort to swallow you up. That's why in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, think on these things. Fill your mind with these things because these are the kinds of things that promote light and dispel the darkness. Okay, I'd like to give you one final thought and then we're going to make our way to the communion table. In John chapter 9 and verse 5, Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. In other words, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But remember, following the resurrection, Jesus left planet Earth and went back to his throne in heaven. And now that he's gone, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That's me and you and the church of Jesus Christ. We are the light of the world. And Jesus went on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, why do you think Jesus said, let your light shine before others? Because light wins every time. Light will always defeat the darkness. And if we as the church of Jesus Christ will shine, then other people will see the light, they'll be drawn to the light, and ultimately make decisions for Jesus. And that, friends, is about as good as it gets. Pointing people to God, allowing the circumstances of our lives to bring peace to others because of their relationship with God. Again, this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in our lives. Okay, let's begin to prepare our hearts for communion as Phil comes to sing the song, I Know. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've had many frank conversations with people about our current health crisis. And I guess it really doesn't matter what happens in our world. If it's bad, somehow God is always going to get blamed. And as much as I would like to react to that and stand up and defend God, I guess what hurts me or bothers me more than anything else is that these people don't know what I know. They don't know that God is good. I'm convinced of that with all my heart. We serve a good God. He's a loving and a caring and compassionate God. And he proved the extent of his love when he sent his one and only son into the world to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so I absolutely love the lyrics to the song that you just heard. Namely, on my darkest day, from my deepest pain, through it all, my heart will choose to sing his praise. You see, that's the choice that we have during the storms of life. We can focus in on the darkness and disdain his name, 
or we can see him as the light of the world and offer the praise that is due to him. And friends, he is worthy of all of our praise. In the good times and in the bad times, his name is to be praised. And so the scripture tells us it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when supper had ended, Jesus took the cup. Again, he gave thanks. He passed the cup to his disciples and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death. You declare the Lord's death till he comes. And I've mentioned this to you on countless occasions that Jesus expressed appeal to us. Whenever we gather around the communion table, whenever we receive the bread and the cup, is to remember his death, to recall the great sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. And how many of you know Good Friday was a dark day? In fact, the scripture tells us in the Gospel of Luke that when Jesus hung on the cross from 12 into 3, there was an eerie darkness that covered the face of the whole earth. And Luke's exact words were this. It was dark because the sun stopped shining. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't say it was dark because it was a cloudy day or because the clouds blocked out the sun. It was dark because the sun stopped shining. And I know for many, many people today, the sun is not shining right now. It's a dark day. But Jesus reminded us when he said, I'm the light of the world. He said, even when it's dark and even when the sun's not shining, I will be there for you and I will give you what you need and I will be your light and whoever follows after me will not walk in darkness. Can I get you to just bow your heads as we prepare our hearts for communion? Father, I pray for those right now who are experiencing such darkness. Those who are in deep pain right now. There's so many families, Lord, that have suffered loss. There's so many families that are going through difficult times right now. Lord, you know every pain, every sorrow. In fact, your word says that you're near to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And we pray, Lord, for our world. We pray for our, our land. We ask, Lord God, that this would be an opportunity for the world to see you high and lifted up, that your name would be glorified, and that you would be displayed among the nations because you are a good God. You're a loving, caring God. And during these moments, you remind us that you are always with us. You never leave us or forsake us. I pray peace for the community Christian church family. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a gift of peace that passes all understanding, that we would know you in this hour like never before, that our faith roots would go down deep and that we would process everything that we're experiencing in this life right now through your word and through eyes of faith. Lord, I pray protection over our community. I pray, Father, that you would 
cause there to be an airtight compartment that you would stretch an umbrella covering over the families of our church that no weapon that fashioned against us could prosper. And we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you right now for meeting every need. Let your presence fill our homes. Let your presence fill the rooms where people are watching right now. And thank you, Lord, for being a good God, the God who cares about us and the God who meets our needs. We thank you, Lord, for these gifts that you give to us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's take the bread and the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for how you minister peace in your presence in every situation. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for being with us today. We extend a very special invitation to you to join us on Good Friday at 7 p.m. And once again on Easter Sunday at 10 a.m. Please know that we're praying for you and we love you. We look forward to seeing you in the very near future. If you have any needs, call the church office. We'll be able to get your message and we'll call you back right away. God bless you. We love you. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.